I'm Caroline. Over the years, I've started a bunch of creative projects I failed to finish. So I wanted to talk to creative people, writers, comedians, filmmakers, photographers, musicians, about how they work and what they do when things get tough. Learn the secrets of finishing. From Dublin, Ireland, it's Operation Project. As I was saying, like you do have to get not shit at something by just the simple act of actually doing it. And there's no other way. You have to be your own guinea pig with everything mm -hmm. in life. If you waited until you were good at something, we never, none of us would ever do anything. And I suppose in a small way, that's a little bit what this podcast is about, where I talk to people, creative people who actually like finish things. So <laughs> <laughs> and keep things going as opposed to half doing something, leaving it in a drawer, getting all excited about the start of a creative project, but then actually finding it difficult to punch it through, losing a bit of enthusiasm when things get difficult. So I'm talking to you, Chris, comedian and comedy promoter. Is that how you describe yourself? Yeah, I think that's a fair description. A fair yeah. description. And you run uh, Jester's Comedy I Night. Run Jester's with Carl Flanagan, yes. Yeah, yeah. And it's on on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. And we have an interest in the curation of Monday evenings in that stuff happens on Mondays that we sort of encouraged and facilitated. Yes, friends of gestures. Run. Yeah, it's yeah, it's 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 yeah, it's associated with the gestures venue. And that's in Chennai, just off on, the Liffey there. On the baggage. On, what street no, is it again? It's on, it's on Ormond Quay. I'm rubbish at keys. I it's always just get all my keys. Beside where the old Ormond Hotel used to be, yeah. and now a building site. A big hole in the ground, waiting for something else. Yeah, well, <laughs> resolution of a court case. Oh, is that right? Okay, <laughs> shit. Could be waiting a while, but uh, it's still a great. It's like a great location because it's that bit of the north side that's like looking out onto the south side, and it's almost an extension of Tampa Bar. I was, uh, almost, you know? Yeah, the real reason it's suitable really is it's primarily, it's a music, it's known as a music venue and a late night pub, and comedy sort of fits reasonably well into that. Yes, yeah, uh, and I know I myself have gotten drunk and danced there on an occasion, because it's that kind of place. But uh, the comedy I, night- I have not. <laughs> you have not. You're always like home, tucked up in bed. But I'm just too old. <laughs> so am I. I don't know what I'm doing, getting drunk and dancing. Mm. Uh, and I think, well, for for my opinion on testers, I think it's the best comedy night in Dublin. I think it's unbelievably good. And uh, I, I'm, it's astonishingly good value because it's free. <laughs> and, honestly, and like I bring people sometimes and I'm like, this is free. And you know the way sometimes things that are free, the expectation, expectation is fairly soft with things that are free. <laughs> and anyone I've brought, their expectation is so, it just exceeded. They go, that was actually fucking deadly. And they can't, you know, they're just, uh, they're over the moon with how just professionally put together what a good night it is. And it sounds like I'm just giantly kissing your ass, but you know I actually love Desters. I go like every single week and oh, I love yes. it. You're a regular. I yes. am a regular indeed. But I suppose I'm interested to know um, how you got started with doing Desters. Like where did you, where was your entry point into comedy promotion? Well, way back I started out 10 years ago now, almost exactly, I started doing comedy because I had other things going on in my life and I always wanted to do stand-up vaguely and I wanted to take a different direction and I decided to see about doing comedy course, which I thought you could only do in the UK. But it turned out when Mr. Google checked there was a course available in Dublin, I did a course in Dublin. 
Uh, with Kieran McMahon, it's an excellent course, six weeks, and did the show at the end. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, and then I was doing comedy, looking for gigs in clubs for about a year, not doing too many. And then my wife broke her ankle and that disrupted my career enormously. <laughs> <laughs> and then I came back to it and um, about a year later, having done only one or two gigs in the interim, and then I started mulling, mm, I, I, I could run a club. And I, ran, I started running one in Nace once a month. Um, I'd been going to Edinburgh to the Fringe for Ten year, all the 10 years. So the first four years, uh, I went, I just went to look. Because not only do you do gestures, but you've uh, a huge Edinburgh presence with promoting uh, and putting on stuff in Edinburgh. And I'm, I'm going well, to, yeah. come to that, come to that now, come to no, that later. Well, but we'll the, come back yeah. to it. I, I'm involved with PBH. I wouldn't say I have, but there is a large undertaking in which I have an involvement. Right. Um, so that's probably a fair description. Um, so uh, then I decided to run a club in Nace in Cavanaghs once a month. I talked to the owners there. They were interested enough. That ran to varying degrees of success for about three years. And with that local act or no, people no, come no, from Dublin? Well, the great thing is you could put a carload of people, bring a carload down and you had a crew. Uh, so cool. that went, okay, but just get it. I was paid in on a Wednesday night. It just never really fired once a month. And then we didn't, I didn't run it in July, June, July and August because I was away and people were away. And it's just a bit, a bit dead. It's hard and to get the yeah, enthusiasm. They relayed out the room and it didn't really suit. So I gave up that and I decided, what will I do? So I decided to run a gig in Dublin. The initial plan was to run a paid gig and I went into O'Donoghue's on Suffolk Street, not O'Donoghue's on Bagot Street, on the Donoghue's on Suffolk Street. Right. And I went in there in November, had a chat with the manager. He was interested. There was a space upstairs. That was all good. I agreed to open in early February. And when we came back in January, the Lewis works had started. Aye, aye, aye. Junction at the bottom of Grafton Street, which had 10,000 people going through it from 8 o'clock seven was eight o'clock to ten seven o'clock to nine o'clock went down to about a fifteen hundred or a thousand and it was a nightmare yeah so yeah we, it was so hard to even navigate yeah, that bit of the city yeah, yeah. So we've we did it i ran it for a while tried to run it commercially first that was a failure then i tried to run it as a just turn up and gig that didn't really work but we got it going as a sort of open mic type thing on thursdays and then i opened up on wednesday nights down in Pub called the front door, and that was um, so. It was running the two gigs, Tuesday to Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, then um, managed the management in there were quite supportive, so I killed off. I don't know who's. It was going well, and then the because it's good to have to buy in from. Yeah, oh, you have to place. have support. Yeah. So that was fine. Then management changed there, and I wasn't prepared to stay, and I moved across the road to Palacarnies, and that was all going fine. I came back from Edinburgh in August to be told that they were converting the basement into a music venue and goodbye. Okay. I had about a week's notice. So we essentially shut down and then I went wandering around the city. Looking <laughs> Please for help me with my comedy. <laughs> Not really. No, 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 no. I had very clear ideas of what needed to be done. So uh, I, I found, I, and we went to, went into, um, Sinead having been looking around the corner and uh, looked at the main stage and immediately realised you couldn't put comedy on that. 
Because it's just connected to like the regular You can't bar. put comedy yeah. in, you can't put comedy somewhere you don't have a door or right. don't have a separate space anyway. Because you can't do ambush comedy, that's just torture. Yeah. So yeah. All those involved. The people have to want to be there. <laughs> yeah. Comedy is a voluntary. Yeah, you can't make people laugh, ironically. <laughs> um, so um, that was fine. So I chatted to the boss, Philip, and he said, what about downstairs? So I went downstairs and it was nicely pokey. There was a bar in the corner, so we got chatting and he decided he was taking the bar out and he'd used it three times in five years or something. So um, basically we've been upgrading, improving and changing downstairs in Chennai all the way for the last two years. Um, and it's two years you've been there now? We're there, we'll be there two years in November. I think okay. two years in November or maybe three, I lose track. And um, there's three events that you either run or have like an interest in that's like half that's half the week you're you're really established the footprint there the ultimate objective is to have comedy seven nights a week okay that's the intention but uh free comedy in the early parts of the week and some form of paid comedy in the later parts of the week because people a will pay and b Comics are entitled, if they're doing longer sets, to some money. Yes. Uh, whereas if you're doing five minutes and open mic, really, well, you know, it's a hobby at that point, And uh, that's the way it is. And so if people, it's entirely an opt-in thing. Um, but people turn up, do bits. June and July, we always have a thing called Jester's Edge, which runs on Wednesdays. And that's Edinburgh previews. Yes, yeah. and I have had the pleasure of attending see, some of those. Yeah, so it's longer. The sets are basically longer than what the comedians normally do. Yeah, they're series. full. They're full Edinburgh shows. Are... Actually, you should probably explain a little bit about what the actual format of the gestures oh, yeah. night. Because of course, because because yeah. it's like I know it was hard to find a home, and it was probably took some time to establish exactly like what worked and what didn't. Uh, for yeah. the, how the evening runs well, so maybe explain a little bit how the evening runs and how maybe even then maybe how you made some of those decisions for how okay. the evening runs well the the way it runs is it's it's not only an open mic but it's not a walk-up open mic um and we have usually we book 22 acts uh or to fill a period from eight o'clock to ten o'clock originally we started at nine to eleven and then in o'donoghue's there was music downstairs and we started to move to 8 to 10 and we realized that actually at 8 to 10 people hang around afterwards because at 11 o'clock people are on the way out going for a bus at 10 o'clock or wherever they have a few minutes to spare they'll hang around yeah so hang around have a drink have a bit chat, of a chat yeah yeah and it became much more sociable it's also rather interestingly more profitable for the bar <laughs> yeah they like that that helps like with that. the buy-in yeah. right yeah because they instead of having people arrive in and basically comedy mm. is a two drink event um because people buy a drink in the first half buy a drink in the second half yeah that's what they do especially in the early part of the week where people are out and whatever um and probably even more so people who don't pay into something they're probably even a little bit more careful about their money but anyway whatever the yeah. point remains that by having an eight to ten um Everybody, comics included, can hang around and have a chat. Whereas other clubs maybe don't start at half nine and finish at half eleven. And basically before, I, I suppose I'll backtrack a bit. Before I started the club, I went around to every single, um, I went around to every single club in Dublin and wrote down everything. Do some re reconnaissance. Yeah. yeah, but I wrote down everything that I felt I wasn't comfortable with or I regarded as a problem. Yeah. So I had a big, long list. <laughs> I can imagine. Like an inordinately large list of issues. Um, so I'm not going to go into here now because they're very tedious and they're very detailed, but 
they are. Nevertheless, even unconsciously, they infect on both audiences and acts. So, uh, but, so that gestures has been iteratively designed to face to deal with one problem or issue after another, prevent its recurrence. Right, right. right. So that's a very project manager type. Um, yeah. Oh, well, I mean, assessment of uh, of how to run run something like that. It's well, it's well, smart. I, I used to um, before I I retired seven years ago now. So. Before I did that, I used to, my job really was involved in project management, so I didn't, uh, so this is didn't fall place. off the tree. Yeah, yeah. And um, so, and in terms of Edinburgh, I run shows. Good transferable skills, yeah. The ability to write a list is a much underrated. Oh, and priori- huge list and priori- over here, yeah. And prioritise that list um, is, is a much underrated skill, and one which, if someone has it, they'll usually get the job done. And <laughs> yeah. if they don't, they very often won't. And even if they do, they won't get it done in the way that anyone else is able to figure out how it happened. And um, so, yeah, um, just constantly change a little bit as a problem, how we fix it. Um, and uh, anyway, back to gestures and what it is. It's, a, it's a, an umpteen number of comedians um, who have to arrive on time and have to sit at the end. They don't know when they're on. <laughs> There's no choice there. Yeah, There is yeah. no choice. The only reason for not being there is if you have another gig, um, which is fine. Um, and then um, it's programmed because there are Google Forms available to fill in, and then we put people on in an order uh, in order to ensure the enjoyment of the audience. Basically. Yeah. Uh, priority at gestures is the audience is the first and most important thing. The second thing is the venue. The third thing is the acts. And the fourth thing is Carl and myself who run it. Each of them depends for their happiness and continuation on the one above. Yes, very, <laughs> so, that's, uh, that's a very uh, smart <coughs> way of looking at the structure of that. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and so we have house rules as well, like uh, no rape jokes, no race, and I use the word jokes in inverted commas, um, no rape jokes, no racism, no picking on the front row, and no libel. Which nobody has ever done in gestures, but I've seen other people do on other stages. So <laughs> okay. I'm not desire to be involved in a court case. No, because that was it might involve you then, and that's no. Yeah. I know any anything that involves hassle for me is in principle and practice an extraordinarily bad idea. Sure thing, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Um, so uh, and the idea is to respect the audience because you want them to come back. That's what you want customers to do is return. Yeah. And uh, then that's the whole thing all the time about it. So that's what we try and do, and. Um, that's it. So that's how we, we operate. And it's all based on mostly the painful experience of others and occasionally the painful experience of ourselves. <laughs> right. <laughs> and what, um, in making something that happens every, not just every week, but twice a week. So involving, you said you book 22 comedians and probably, I don't know, 20 go up a night or something because there might be a couple people Fall, out or something. The fallout rate is four. Okay, so but like you're in and around forty comedians a week, dealing with forty comedians a week. Yeah, and they're let's face it, <laughs> some of them are a little bit flaky. Is that uh, that presents a, a I challenge? Know. I imagine just uh, uh, the mere well, administration of so many people. Yeah, it's roughly equivalent to herding cats on heroin. <laughs> right. Um, unfortunately, from the point, point of view of comedians, I'm sure they don't like it, but we we're pretty inflexible. Yeah. If you don't like the rules, that's fine. Well, cats on heroin, you got to give them some boundaries, don't you? Yeah. Especially if you're the one giving them the heroin. I think you yeah, can Yeah, well, give when them you're the, the heroin, well, in this context, we're definitely the heroin vendor or supplier. Yeah. The thing is, if people don't like the way gestures operate, that's fine. They're perfectly at liberty to 
not come. There's plenty of clubs in Dublin. Especially right now, there's a lot of co- comedy clubs. Now, Arr. they open and they close. They open and they close. I don't know. Right. Uh, like, what do you think of the fact that there's like a lot of comedy clubs? <laughs> I diplomatic, diplomatic answer. Comment. I know that you it, don't have to be specific. I took me six months planning before I opened the first iteration of Jester's. Okay, that's so. This, that was your recce. You're making your lists. You're seeing what's out venues, there. Yeah, yeah. Finding six months something, uh, and I still got lots wrong. Yeah. So planning is key. Planning and persistence. I mean, it was it was two years two and a half years before we really got the format right in terms of an an event that consistently delivered an audience and was reasonably amusing yes <laughs> uh, and, uh, but inherent to the idea of jesters is that not i i say it regularly at the beginning when i'm introducing the gig it's uh, it acts will be on five minutes and they're a bit like buses. If you don't want that one, there's another one along in five minutes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, that, that's the truth of it. Um, most people who come stay through the gig. That's how I measure it. The very, uh, like the very fast nature oh, of the turnaround okay. makes for a very lively, fun oh, yeah. audience experience. And just as you say, if you don't like someone, there'll be someone along. It's like, yeah, like listen songs on the radio or whatever. It's very... It's just, it's very like relaxed yeah. that way for the audience. It, and it is. And you're not going, oh man, I'm just here for ages. Yeah, you don't have this person doing 25 minutes about their earphones or, you know, half an hour on the problems of white chairs or something. It's, <laughs> it's, I'm wearing earphones and sitting on a white chair. Your imagination doesn't <laughs> extend so far. But yeah, it's just, it's, it's punchy. And yeah. it just, it turns over so fast. Well, it's, it's all about having the focus on the, on the customer slash the audience. That's why it's done that way. And it's also, it's five minutes rather than seven minutes because that way, even if the only people in the room are comics, there's enough people there to have an audience. To have an audience, have a night. And because comedy is the art form where you absolutely need an audience. Yeah, you can't really... It doesn't. It doesn't support no. It doesn't support no audience. It, you can't do it to yourself. You, you can't can, do it to you a can, mirror. You can paint. You can sing songs. You can do all these things on your own and get a certain amount of enjoyment from them. Standing up, looking at a mirror, talking to yourself persistently with no purpose in mind—it's questionable. Yeah, yeah. No, because so, it's communication. It's trying to be understood. It, almost in the moment of like I I did one of those stand up courses as well and I did a comedy gig once and uh, I found it very difficult to kind of un- be understood because I just sort of uh, freaked out because I was so nervous but once you get a bit of once you get a foothold into it I'd say the, the fact of you have such a direct communication with a license to really express yourself I would imagine it's very compelling oh it is it's, it's thoroughly addictive yeah Yeah. oh yeah but um, I mean that, that's why people do it it's, uh, it's not for the money <laughs> right I would, like that's the, the truth of the matter so. is there's there are effectively nobody, it's one person possibly, who runs a club and one person who's Irish-based, who's a comedian. But of all the comedians I know, there are two people making a living. And there's one group 
as well, sorry. It's a group making a living, but they tour internationally as well. So, so as a sole, uh, sole source of income. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. not a... It's not a, not, no, it's not even close to being an option. It's uh, everyone who does it, even commercially supplements it with something else or well, multiple things. Yeah, it's what, there's a phrase for these careers now, isn't there? The people who have lots of bits and pieces. Of oh, sure. I can't remember the name. Yeah, it's, Create, it's probably Create. It's the word Create is fucking yeah, used no, for everything. It's, it's um, yeah, um, what's that? It's not buffet, but it's a bit like buffet. It's like a bit of this and a bit of that yeah, to yeah. try and... But uh, like, that's the case everywhere, unfortunately, because um, anybody can be a stand-up. Yeah. Uh, the only requirement is a club and a mic and... And standing up. <laughs> and, and even then, uh, yeah, um, presence. So, yeah, um, yeah, and people come into stand-up from other directions having got well known on YouTube and stuff like that and actors, a lot of actors a lot, to, well, actors, to, do it, to, yeah. to kind of write and actually yeah. get 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 that expression and they, they yeah. don't have this kind of natural mortification that some people might have. So they, they're more used to exposing who they are in front of an audience yeah, I like think, that. I think for actors actors certainly do some actors are extremely good at outperforming their material. Oh yeah. In yeah. that they will deliver what is reasonably ordinary or perhaps common enough tropes, but they'll do it very well. Yes. Which is, you know, there are different, where are there other... Because they've got great voices and eye contact. And they've, and and they've had yeah. three years and 10,000 or 30,000 or whatever euro worth of training and it, not some but sticks. And so, yeah, that's that. Um, but say, you know, that's the reality of it, that actors are better at standing on stages projecting than people who aren't trained to do it on the other hand there are people who write brilliant material and they're very funny indeed as well yes so, trade-offs and uh, one thing you really see in gestures is uh, it's incredibly diverse the uh, people who participate like oh, in age absolutely. and gender yeah. and uh, like it's i'm kind of, i'm surprised by how like there's somebody who's like I think we have every known gender at this point well they'll, they'll probably just go for a few more in the, well, in the next any, couple of years any but. genders that have emerged seem to have produced a comedian who's yeah. arrived at gestures so um, we're be well beyond binary at this stage totally um, and last night there was a comedian who's 20 and then there was another comedian who was I don't know I don't want to say how old Paul, Pauline she's, is she's certainly she has she's certainly over 66 for sure, yeah. So yeah, yeah and, the, and the comedian who was 20 could have passed for 12. <laughs> yeah, so that was really, that was bookending uh, yeah, very think, nicely. Yeah, 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 that's certainly, and that's not uncommon. And they're both hilarious. Hmm? They were oh, both, both hilarious. Very good, yeah, they're yeah. both very good. And uh, and both very different styles, naturally, as you would expect. But like, that's, truth be told, that's, for me, that's the thing I like about being involved with gestures. And indeed, the thing I like about being involved with uh, PBH in Edinburgh it's a sheer diversity of people and 95% plus are sound right yeah that's a good hit rate <laughs> yeah yeah well I don't have to deal with the other five yeah yeah <laughs> and like, the people that are into it up for it and yeah. nice it, yeah. and, and because it's a it's a thing that really does um not just you don't just communicate when when you're on stage you there's so much like I didn't 
realize how many like gigs there were on. But I know if you're a comedian, you go to all the gigs <coughs> and you go and you have to like make yourself known and seen and talk yeah. to your peers. And that's an actual requirement, I think. Well, in terms of, in practical terms, getting gigs, most promoters like to have seen the act. I mean, obviously, if someone lives in Kilkenny, you can't expect them to turn up to two or three gigs before they're on. But if someone is in Dublin, and the vast majority of comedians are in the greater Dublin area who are appearing anything like regularly, they're, it's sort of, it's very nice to see them every now and again just turning up and... Because it shows interest. Well, it show, well actually, it's, it's a bit more than that, in my view, in that you learn an awful lot from watching comedians. Yeah. In, and we all learn much more from failure than success. And the cheapest form of failure is someone else's. <laughs> yeah, right. So, <laughs> so sitting in an audience with your arms crossed is a... Sitting in an audience seeing space. somebody yeah. do something awfully stupid. Yeah. Uh, is a is a very useful learning experience. I have gone through that <laughs> numerous times. I I I, I MC and um, I have format shows and they involve me. I mean, I I, I Carl and myself MC gestures and then um, in Edinburgh uh, or uh, I also have a political breakfast, uh, which is a format show, uh, which is me and up to four comedians talking about politics. That's it's like a panel thing. It's a panel show, yeah. yeah. And then um, I also have a show called The Full Irish, which is now six years old in Edinburgh. And again, I am see that. But uh, six years old, that's nice. It's, yeah, oh, well, yeah, well, it's it's entrenched in a pub called Whistle Binkies. Uh, I'm back there for, I, I will I will do Whistle Binkies for Edinburgh with Full Irish until I die. Right, that's, <laughs> and it's then, like, presumably you have, again, that like relationship with the venue. Well, I have, a, well, this, I now have a very excellent relationship with the venue. Um, the, the, the story about, I'm involved in, say, in Edinburgh in an organization called PPH, and I suppose it's an example of how, I, I cite it as an example, even though it's me that's being sound, of being sound and how it works. Um, the first year I went to Edinburgh, for anybody who's never been to the Edinburgh Fringe, uh, I would explain, if you if you imagine someone who swims regularly and they do a swim uh, four lengths of an Olympic pool on a regular basis, and they're a proficient swimmer. Now, Edinburgh, and that, if they're at a level of comedian, Edinburgh is roughly equivalent to getting into a helicopter in the middle of a very bad Atlantic storm, flying five kilometers straight out into the Atlantic and being dropped entirely naked from 5,000 feet. Okay, <laughs> see how you swim then, yeah. And, and you're on your own to get home. In truth, it is a very, it can be very demanding, but um, so it's, it's, a, it's pretty mad. I, first year I went, I almost literally my eyes bled with the volume of shows. Like it's just unreal how many shows and just, the sheer range and diversity. I was looking at the PDF uh, online of this year's Edinburgh uh, just to see who I knew and what, what their posters looked like so if I was having a go. And like the thing is like 130 pages long and that's just the like official guide just, thing. Just, and there's loads of, of course, there's oh, thousands of other things well, that happen that aren't comedy. on that. Yeah. That's just the comedy. You have to remember that there's also... Oh, there's like a dance thing. There's and... dance, there's a jazz festival, uh, there's a children's book festival, there's music and cabaret, there's spoken word, there's uh, loads of stuff. So I've never been, I've tried on a number of occasions to sit down and work out 
the total available number daily of seats okay. in Edinburgh. But the numbers are just mind-boggling. <laughs> right, right. I, I, the last thing, I, I got a certain distance last time was 2.1 million. Crikey. Available attendances. Yeah, yeah. So that's incredible. Anyway, the, the first year I went, I met, I, I went to shows and I just said hello to people. And the second year I went, uh, I went for a week each time. And, and then the second just year... Just as a punter. Like, as a punter. Oh, as a punter, yeah. entirely. Second year I went, I went but I didn't go to as many shows and a few of the shows I'd been to the previous year I went again and stopped and had a pint with people um and the third year I would have had maybe two pints right, right. <laughs> and less shows um and then um the fourth year I'd gone with the intention of putting on something the following year and like that's the timeline for Edinburgh you, you need to be planning about I always think about two years in advance but uh so I went along looked down, decided what I was going to do. And it was a chap I'd been having drinks with at that point for two or three years. I can't remember. Certainly had drink several, severial drinks with him in the fourth year. And a chap called Paul B. Edwards. And uh, as is the world we live in, I was Facebook friends with him. So come November, I packed off a reasonably detailed note to him asking for his opinion. Because I knew he was involved with PBH, Peter Buckley Hill, that's what it stands for. Right. Who's the guy who invented slash reinvented the free element of Edinburgh Fringe and um, I sent Paul a note and explained what I had in mind and he said I was looking for an 11 o'clock slot in the morning which at that point was the earliest available show that anybody was doing comedy at. Okay. Nobody was doing comedy any earlier than 11. And you, you did you spot that as like a sort of a potential yeah. opening that wasn't being yeah. exploited? Yeah. There's loads of comedians around but no one's doing that at 11 uh, in the morning so why well, not stick on the show? Well it's more a case of the loads of audience around. Yes, yeah. Comedian in Edinburgh are a bit like rats in London, you're never more than five yards <laughs> from one. Um, right. so, so they're, yeah, they're not, they're the, not problem. the problem. They're right. not, no, there's an almost infinite supply of comedians. So no, that wasn't the issue. So then I said it to Paul, Paul was a bit skeptical about putting a show on at 11 in the morning, uh, probably more skeptical and with more basis for the fact that I was planning to do with Irish comedians. Uh, wasn't sure they knew what the concept of morning was. Uh, <laughs> and again, I can imagine point. that is a challenge. He I had think, a point, yeah. he had a point. Yeah. We're back to cats and heroin again. <laughs> um, but uh, actually, if you tell them there's heroin there, there. That's, not, that's not true. Just in case the police authorities are listening. <laughs> no think, element of truth in that remark. I think you're all right, yeah. yeah um, anyway, so that was fine. Uh, so I put it on and it, uh, he said, well, you know, that's fine. Uh, apart from that though, but anyway, I think you'll probably get it because nobody else would up for the slot. And also, I'm the artistic director of comedy for PBH. So he was the boss. Right. Well, he was I the never right known. man I had never known. I had never known. Okay, that know. was just I part know. of... I didn't know. I had no idea Paul was in charge of all that comedy. Okay. And he never said it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, um, um, in fairness, there's been a turnover of artistic director since. And Paul's not now the artistic director. But that's just because it's... a. Um, Monster of a job. Yes. Uh, like it's gargantuan. It starts in November. Oh, seriously? <laughs> starts right. in November. So it's a year, basically, it's oh, a it's, year it's round. A, it's a rolling. It never really stops. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's, yeah, so he's not doing now. The person doing now is a woman called Cassie Atkinson, who's brilliant at it. Um, but that's the sort of way you build relationships. Yeah. By going, by being sound, by and, hanging out. By... And, 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 yeah, and, and you just never know 
who you're dealing with. Yeah. You never have an idea who you're dealing with. In Edinburgh, you have to assume that everybody you meet is the commissioning editor for comedy for Channel 4. Okay. <laughs> if you treat everyone like the commissioning editor for uh, comedy commissioning for Channel 4, then you can't go wrong. Yeah. yeah exactly. it's, it's just, yeah, yeah. yeah. And if they aren't now, they may be in the future. Sure. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and especially in Edinburgh. Yeah. Who the, who it's knows? It's a trade show. It's, like, a, trade it's show. a trade show. So everyone pounding yeah. those pavements yeah. is and, and, and comedy is a particularly flat uh, structure. Like you've got comedians, you got agents, you got bookers, and you got producers, you got writers, and then that's it. There, there's nothing really. You the levels of management are fairly thin on the ground. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, and if someone's going to be taking your money off you, they don't really care what they like you or not, and that's the venues. Well, right. So that's the reality. And so, but always be extremely sound. Yes. And that's it's good how, real for life, right? <laughs> Well, the, the, there's only one rule in life. Reward the behaviour you wish to see repeated. Yeah. That's the only rule. Yeah. That's all, a good All other rules are redundant. That's your North Star there. Yeah, yeah. that's it. So, Isn't so, that nice? Yeah. So that's, that's how gestures exists. And uh, it's, uh, it's going well. Um, hope, hoping we're looking at a couple of things, um, which will be developments on that. Uh, at the ultimate objective of getting to seven nights a week. But it'll take... It's like anything else, it takes time and you build resources and you build. The venue is now, I would argue it's one of the two best comedy spaces in Dublin. Uh, Are you going to let us into what the other one is? I think Whelan's upstairs is extremely oh, good. good. Where Cherry it? operates is yeah. an extremely good venue. Yeah. Um, may even slightly have the edge on gestures in terms of pure venue. And uh, it's bigger, which is never a bad thing. Um, I think their stage is not a perfect comedy stage, but that's a very technical thing that only about three people in the entire country give a damn about. It's a more flexible stage because there's bands. It's primarily a music venue, and they've they've done a very good job and they've upgraded it very well. Um, it was a dirty great pillar in the middle. I remember the pillar. Oh my god, what a giant pain! Except if yeah. you were tired, you could lean on the yeah. pillar. That was but the it only advantage. It wasn't so much an issue for music, probably, but for comedy, certainly, where you want yeah. to watch people. Like so they've done a tremendous job, and the boys who run, the guys who run uh, Cherry are very proficient indeed. Okay, so they passed the uh, the Chris comedy <laughs> test. <laughs> if there anybody, is anybody who keeps running a venue passes the Chris comedy test. Yeah. It's up to them. Uh, but. And if you're if it's improving all the time, is it one is it one venue I one venue I haven't seen yet that's currently operating as a club? So um, I can't comment to that. But otherwise, the basics of a comedy venue are fairly straightforward, relatively narrow, relatively long. Make sure everyone can be seen, see you. Make sure you can be heard. Light the act and keep the rest of the room dark. Make sure there's very little, if any, sound from anywhere else. That's it. Excuse, and keep it cold. Keep it cold. Oh, okay, yeah. Keep it yeah. cold. If it gets warm, people go to sleep. Oh, okay. It, yeah. Because it it's dark and warm. Well, yeah, yeah, dark, yeah. warm, and alcohol. Yes. You know. <laughs> and that's not good for like higher energy. That's not good for anyone. It, it, I mean, we have to, in gestures, uh, we open the fire exit and let, we vent the place at break. Right, yeah. Uh, yeah. And beforehand, uh, to, to, when we did it last night, to, to make it. Uh, cold enough um you know american clubs professional clubs tend to keep the room at 19 degrees 
Okay. Which is for people slightly actively cold. Right. Um, that keeps people um, just that bit alert. Yeah. Yes, that um, makes sense. So it's um, yeah, we don't keep the room to nineteen degrees, but. It's usually less than that, but Irish weather helps us in that regard. But yeah. Last night, no, we had to really get it going. I was there. It was, yeah, it was. It's well, warm. yes, it was roasting, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was yeah. But it was, it was actually very comfortable in Jasper. It was, yeah. But we, we, but it's like you only get experience, you only learn that from experience. And then every now and again, you forget. And every now and again, the second half, everybody has, starts to fall asleep and you go, oh, fruitcake. <laughs> You're allowed to say, fuck, Chris, you're grand. <laughs> anyway, but you know what I mean? It's, it, we, yeah, as long key thing about mistakes is not to repeat them. And there's, uh, like, I know um, a lot of comedians uh, make clubs themselves because I guess it's it's a good way of, um, I suppose it has the dual effect of giving you somewhere to play. If you're a newer comedian, you're making your own space to play in. And then also you're helping your peers get somewhere to play. But a lot of people make clubs what what uh, advice would you have if uh, if somebody was going? Do you know? Fuck it, I want to make a club. I'm gonna have oh. a go of doing a night, just a, a little night, and just to see how it goes. Like what 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 little piece of advice would you have for that? I'd say both of the things you said are wrong. <laughs> right, that's just my perception. Yeah, I know. Yeah. The first element of it is. Do you think that's why people do it though, or do you think I'm I know wrong? That, I know that people set up clubs in order to get stage time. Yeah. Uh, and there's two elements that they set up because they they feel I'll be on stage doing comedy, and also if I have a club, other people will book me. There are two bits to that. Right? Yes. Now, um, the first bit is wrong, more or less in its entirety, because running, emceeing a gig, is not being a comedian. It's a different job, isn't it? Yeah. It's entirely a different job. Um, if you go to a comedy club and the MC is the funniest person you will have had a terrible night. Right, yeah. Um, it's not the job of the, the MC to be the funniest person on stage. It's the job of the MC to facilitate everyone else being funny. If the role is the functional. Yeah, well, yeah. You have to be, I and mean, obviously you don't walk on stage with a shotgun and threaten to shoot anyone <laughs> who doesn't laugh. But you need to explain the night, make sure people are comfortable, do a little recce just to settle people in. You're not... You know, once you get people laughing slash smiling, you, you basically go away. Yes. And it's not a showcase for your no, act yeah, in that sense. It should be, sorry, it should just be um, a way of letting other people amuse the audience you got in. Um, and then wrapping it up and in as, as a, there's a couple of quite good brief, like a couple of A4 pages, articles in various online resources. And several of them referred to, and occasionally you need to go on and mop up the blood. <laughs> oh man, okay. <laughs> Where something goes wrong. But now, I would always contend if a club is being well run and well ordered, that the instances of bloodshed should be minimal. Yes, um, yeah. So, and, and there are two separate roles as well. One is MC, and the other is programming. Um, and now, very often they do the Sometimes programming isn't done at all. Right. In other words, it's who's here, who's next, who's it's here. Very it's very loose, too loose. Well, it's absent in its entirety. Um, and, you know, you're supposed to close with quite a strong act and the audience will have enjoyed themselves more and be more likely to come back if if there's a certain rhythm to the evening. You know? Yeah, yeah. And so, and I would have learned that from seeing it not happen, right? So that's, 
again, learning from the mistakes of others is what you try and do all the time. So, so you still end up making them yourself as well, sure. eventually. Uh, so having um, so oh, <coughs> having your own club doesn't necessarily mean stage time. No. And so and that the might... the other bit yeah, about giving... People book me because I've got a club. Yeah, that's, that does happen sometimes, but really only if you're paying people, right? If, yeah. if you're paying people, they'll book you. But... That's, and that's, I really don't mind one way or another, but the point, the other thing you mentioned about giving other comedians gigs, um, it's a tendency for people to do exactly that, to give their friends gigs. Give their mates a shot, right, right. And like Jester's is open in that everybody can apply once it opens. And then once there are enough acts in, it closes yeah. until the next time it opens. And it's open usually every two weeks. Uh, Saturday at two o'clock, um, and oh yeah, that's when the Google form goes up. Google form, well, the Google form is opens and is available. Um, yeah, so anybody can sign up, um, at all. It's wants. very egalitarian <laughs> that way. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, um, and then uh, there are people who are regulars, and there are people who who's that, and if you see a who's that, you'll put them. In a certain spot in the in the night, and if if they if you're familiar with people, you'll put them in spot based on your familiarity with them. Yeah. So that's the programming element. Yeah, and, and then, that takes some time, I would imagine. Yeah, it's not a, it's not a case of put them in alphabetical order and leave sure. them off. Sure. Uh, it's it's it is it, like you think about it. Yeah, yeah for and, sure. But that's one of the things that you need to do with anything you're doing is to have a basis. If, if decisions need to be made, there should be some sort of rational basis for them. A methodology. An yeah, approach yeah. and a consistent approach, you know. Um, I mean, there are obviously people who, I'd be at no point pretending, if you're dealing with upwards of 100 people, there's some people you like better than others, right? But it's still the case that I think you have to be pretty fair. Yes. Otherwise, very quickly a sense of grievance will emerge. Oh, uh, yeah. If you go, oh, your man's an arsehole, I'm not going to bother. <laughs> Everyone will kind of know. Yeah. Almost well, well you yeah. know, in fairness, there are defined aspects of being an arsehole <laughs> and if you like if you try to rock up to jesters late consistently and leave before the end yeah we'll talk to you and if you do it again we'll talk to you again if you do it again because that's one of the basic kind of yeah that's of one of it. and yeah like the basic idea is that it's it's just a lack of respect yeah if you expect everybody else to hang around to watch you then you need to do the same yeah it's, you know, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. I stay until the end of every gig. Yeah. Unless yeah. I have a gig, which is seldom enough. Uh, so, you know, but the thing is, there's, there's it's just, it's, it's, it's one rule for everyone. There's yeah. no, and when you're dealing with people generally, that's the way you have to be consistent. If you're, fair. Yeah. More consistent than fair, because if you're inconsistent, you are being unfair. Right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and that, and that creates a, a bit of how come your man gets a such and such and I don't get the so and so, and that, yeah, and that that, and that, that and makes grievances and does. that makes yeah, agreement, you get rankle. Um, that doesn't mean you don't have disagreements with people about substantial issues as well, but you know, but having clear boundaries, yeah, and rules. And the, well, that's true. I mean, the one thing about gestures is there are literally written down rules, uh, the rules run to about one A4 page. And, and everybody confirms every time that they read them. 
Okay, yeah, yeah. And a lot of people don't. But hey, <laughs> they tick that box. <laughs> I have it on a time. I have it on a Google document, and it's time stamped. So right. Therefore, they said they did. Yeah, yeah, and that's all. That, that is, we all tick boxes that go. So yeah, yeah, I agree to the terms and conditions all the time. Yeah, 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 yeah but. Yeah, every now and again, those terms are going to just come back to bite you in the behind. <laughs> and yeah, so that's the way it is. Like, the truth of the matter is, the reason I do it is because I enjoy it. Of course, yeah. And that's the number one thing, I suppose, for anybody who is thinking about, like, a comedy club or putting on a comedy club. You have to enjoy it or you won't do it every week. You, you know, like, yeah, but I was going to say to someone who's thinking about putting on a comedy club, my advice is don't. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> on the basis that, yeah, well... Certainly in Dublin, I think there's enough, right? But you need a confluence of situations. You need room, supply of comics, an audience. But mainly you need an audience. And the audience, the more the clubs are, the the potentially... Well, I suppose in one way, potentially the tender of the audience. But then again, if people know comedy's on, people kind of into it, there's lots of people who want to go out and do stuff. So Yeah, well... One of the problems about bad stand-up comedy is that once people go to it, that's their idea of stand-up comedy. Oh, yeah. And they won't go back. Um, people pay £28 to go and see telecomics down in Vicar Street. People go and see tw- pay £28 to go and see people off YouTube. Right, right. Down in Vicar Street. Yeah. And people pay 60 quid sometimes 70 quid to go to the O2 to see television comics. And usually there are two tickets involved. So that's either 56 euro plus booking fees or 70 euro, 140 euro plus booking fees. Uh, Before you sat down, I personally think that's largely because people are very risk averse. Right. They want to be This lad's sh- been on the telly, so it's going to be good. Sure, yeah. They want to be sure that they're going to get... Now, it doesn't at all follow, by the way, but the, the risk factor is perceived to be lower. Now, a lot of those people are going out there hiring a babysitter. They're having a meal beforehand and a few drinks. Of course, the irony is that the bigger a room for comedy, the easier it is to play. Um... Because there are always going to be some people laugh at anything. And that, that laughter is infectious. Yes. And also the resources put into the room to make it work will be better. Because yeah. it's a professional venue. If you have Vicar Street, they know how to light the room for comedy. Yeah, yeah. And they know how, and they have sound techs and it's all, the risks are, are, are much reduced. And you have a produced show and there's a soundtrack and it's all very good. So there is an element to which the risk is reduced. Um, and that's why I think people go to expensive paid venues, uh, even though there are quite a lot. I think a lot of people have at least one horror story about going to stand up somewhere and having a horrible Yeah, experience. it being so shit, they're traumatized. That has to, I've, I've been that person. Well, I, I, I was, I mean, I've, I've sat beside a person, I sat beside, I still remember a comic who was on stage who was picking on a quite attractive young lady who was sitting one over from me. And the young lady beside her said, leave her alone. Just in a calm voice, leave her alone. He then started picking on her. Now the people in the room hadn't heard her say anything. So now he was picking on her for no reason. And that room 
didn't need any refrigeration in Oh man, yeah, because they can't hear the the person who's not mic. Well, he wasn't mic, but the point is, she's yeah. talking up the upstream. Oh, oh, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he walked off to the sound of his own feet, and that was excellent. Um, <laughs> oh, I was appalled, like, um, but those two people will never go back to live comedy again. Yeah, it got personal for them in the, yeah. in the least pleasant yeah. way. Yeah, and I mean, I, I, I. There's so many instances of. In particular, young male comics who decide for some reason to have a go inevitably and invariably when they're already not getting laughter. Oh, it's an act of a desperate man sometimes, is it? Yeah, it's it, it's it's throwing out an anchor when you're already sinking uh, instead of saying, oh, this isn't working, I'm out of here, and just walk off. At least people will acknowledge that you recognise the failure. Yeah. I'd be some sympathy for you, but you know, that's fine. But like a number of times that people have just screwed up monumentally. They think they can edge you their way out of the unpleasant or the the situation where they're not really getting laughs. They, it's, yeah. Yeah. It is yeah. Edgy it's, is it's an desperation. Edgy is an interesting term. Mm. There's one person I know who has good edgy material. This is an in-joke for any comedians who are listening. Uh, the edgy material person is Pauline Shanahan. <laughs> she has a particular... I know her edgy material. Yeah. And she's the only person I know who's funny about with edgy material. <laughs> right. Anybody who's out there and who sees Pauline Shanahan uh, should go and see her. She's quite brilliant comic. Yeah, she is. Uh, so, yeah, that's it. But she has the only funny edgy material that I'm aware of. And... Uh, it's actually funny. So, Chris, well, I guess we're getting a bit... You actually have to go off and do testers now, yes. so I can't keep you too long. But maybe um, is there maybe a win or, like, some memorable moment for you as your comedy promoter career that you can think of, of something that, like, made you feel particularly, like, proud or just something that you went, you know, doing this every week this, this, this a, has made it worth it there's a genuine and general feeling of uh, when someone comes in and they're adequate and then after they've been doing gestures for a while they suddenly turn out to be much better yeah they improve and there's a great deal of satisfaction to that some people rock up and they're day one they're excellent but there are other people who come along do bits and you might say a little bit of something. Now, not, not sort of like, oh, Jesus, why did you do that? But, you know, something, a small thing that might help them improve. And you see them implement that. Yeah. Learn. Learn. You see someone learn. <laughs> see someone improve and get better and increasingly enjoy themselves more. And that's... There's great satisfaction to that. Because you've facilitated yeah. some growth for like growth yeah. for some. You give them an environment. Oh, in fairness, I suppose it's um, they do say imitation is the sincerest form of flattery, and certainly there has been a an upsurge in the number of clubs in Dublin, and quite a lot of them are coming from Jester's alumni. Definitely the pool of Jester's <laughs> so, for sure. So, and it's like the process of Jester's being relatively accessible to a lot of people at short notice facilitates and encourages them continuing. Clubs get a lot of requests for gigs and some clubs book four months, six months in advance. And I understand why. Um, but it does mean that it's very hard as a comic to get any sort of momentum. 
going. Yeah. So whereas I know gestures is five minutes, but you can at least get regular stage time. Yes. And you know, and other people are going off and 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 starting clubs and putting the effort in, and that's very good. Maybe it's because you in a sense, make it look easy. Like gestures, gestures isn't easy, <laughs> but maybe people look at it because it seems easy. Because actually when you're um, participating as an audience member, you don't really see the work that goes in. And maybe comedians don't quite see the work that goes in. Well, and maybe you make it look easy. So people go, oh, fuck it, I can do a club as well. <laughs> yeah. I, well, a number of people have said to me after they've started clubs, God, there's lots of this. Right. Yeah. They had no idea. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, and there is, there's a, there's a sort of vast ongoing bureaucratic structure. I know that sounds incredibly unfunny, <laughs> but a vast bureaucratic structure underlying it. Um, the objective of Gestures is to be the fourth best comedy club in the world. Okay. <laughs> That's so specific. Yeah. You gotta explain that a tiny bit more. Well, the three best comedy clubs in the world are the Stand Edinburgh, the Stand Glasgow and the Stand Newcastle. Okay. Um, so that's the objective. Gestures is to be the next best comedy club in the world. To be the stand standard. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I do remember I, I played the stand. I did the three stands one time and they have a, they have a list, time list on the wall of everybody on. And um, it, it says, I mean, the MC has two minutes here, one minute here, two minutes here, three minutes there. And uh, they're very strict. If, if you've got five minutes, if you go 30 seconds over, they will music you off. Right, okay. None and of this will, giving someone away. No, yeah. no, and you will never be back. Okay. Like you're done. Yeah, that's you're one of their rules. Done. No, they don't have any flexibility in their rules. And they're right. Um, and there's no element of criticism of that. But yeah. they run, and I remember seeing them. I still have a, have a copy of the document at home on the wall. And it says um, 10.55 Gig ends, 11 p.m. Gig must end now. <laughs> like there's no ifs, buts, ands, or maybes. And it doesn't matter who you are, you do your time. Yeah. And that's it. And that's very much the thinking I try, we try and get into gestures and folks work and gigging in gestures is that you, you get up, you're as funny as you can, and you get off. They're the bits you need to do. Yeah. And if you're not doing well, leave. It's fine. Yeah. Nobody's gonna ever everybody has a bad gig and especially gestures is new material night, so sometimes things don't work. And you come back with the same material in a week's time or two weeks, three weeks' time, change it a little bit and maybe it'll work and maybe it won't. And if it doesn't work a few times, then it's in the bin. <laughs> and about two years' time it'll come back into your head and it'll be brilliant. But that's the way, but so in those regards, that's the objective. Yeah. So the sta the standard of the stand. Growth, learning, yeah. consistency, yeah. being sound. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Reward the behaviour with be sound. Yeah, that's it. You know, and we have our views, and I'm sure a lot of it comes down to the fact that I'm 60, and a lot of people I deal with are in their 20s, and all these young white male comedians they start to look alike. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, man, is that where we're going to leave it? Um, okay, well, we will leave it there. Yeah. Thank you Thank so you very much, Chris. And I'm just uh, gestures. It's in. Uh, Shine on Ormond Quay and it's uh, 8 o'clock on Tuesdays and Wednesdays till 10 o'clock and it runs like clockwork so it, and it's brilliant and thank you very much Chris that was great <laughs> <laughs>